This is the Visionary Founders Podcast, helping founders to activate their biggest visions, create extraordinary lives and businesses, and to make a difference in the world. I'm Lisa Mitchell, and I'll be sharing everything you need to lay the foundations and growth to create a legacy. In this show, you'll learn the practical and profound changes to make in yourself and your business to have the impact you desire, because you are a visionary founder. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Visionary Founders Podcast. I'm really excited today because it's the first time that we've had a guest on this podcast. And I have, of course, lined up an awesome person for you to speak to today, which which is Ellie Frost. And Ellie Frost is a friend and mentor of mine. We've known each other for about 15 years. You can correct me if that number's wrong, Ellie. But she is amazing in the field of working with visually. So I can't wait to hear what she has to share. So Ellie is a mentor and strategist for visionaries wanting to redefine business and lifestyle choices. She works with socially conscious leaders using her personal alignment and transformation methods, teaching and online events and programs to elevate consciousness around authenticity, personal power, collective transformation and wealth. Her clients include household brand names, influencers, healers, coaches, media personalities and entrepreneurs. And she's an amazing human being. So welcome to you, Ellie Frost. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, no, brilliant. So I thought we might kick off, Ellie, by you just sharing a little bit about your story, your background, just give people a kind of sense of you. Yeah, so this is actually difficult in some ways because there's so much, but I'll keep it as short and relevant as I can. So I was the kid that was always questioning things. I was brought up in not majorly religious, but very rule-based thing. I questioned everything. I was smart. So when you're smart at school, you, you know, you get encouraged to be smart, but I was really artistic as well. So I studied law and was really told to put my creativity behind because art isn't a thing. I didn't like that, (laughs) but I did study law and I started out in a law firm, which was a good commercial backing but it wasn't my heart and soul and all the time when I was questioning things even from a young age I was questioning why things worked the way they did I was very in tune with my own kind of spirituality I had different ideas on (laughs) you know I could see through things intuitively I guess and I was aware of that and so I start in law because I'm told that's what smart people do, but it's never quite hitting me. And I'm questioning social purpose in the world really from a young age. Why aren't we doing things, you know what I mean, that seem to make sense for all of us? I couldn't, you know, a lot of things were stemming around that. Law seemed like, some, you know, the idea that you would go and, you know, make the rules that elevated everyone but it wasn't quite what I expected in in those ways and I couldn't express myself fully so I had some feelings around I want to be fully expressed I want to do what I love I think that's the way you should make money and I think that's the way you know we should want to do great things for each other I had all of that so I leave the law job which was really upsetting to everyone that knew me because it was a magic circle you know top five in the world law firm and at the time that was the golden trophy and I went to a management consultancy which also was a great firm and it was a little bit closer to my heart because I was working on an innovation project so it was about change in a way but again there was a part of it that wasn't quite me I didn't know what was me I didn't know anything apart from I wanted to follow my heart and do what I loved and make money and kind of change the way we do things in the world so just, I that, that just that small thing just that was strong in me yeah <laughs> that bit I got clear that everything else I hadn't and to everyone else it looked like I was just throwing away everything all the time 
So what I decided to do is get a loan from the bank and go uh, backpacking for a year because maybe I'll find what it is I'm looking for. So I travelled for a year, loved it, and I knew I wanted to travel then my whole life, which I did, you know, now I'm 42, so the next 20 years, that's what I did. It's through my career, though. But I've got travelling now, but I don't, I come back after this year, I still don't know really who and what I am. Um, <laughs> but I get called to the opportunity with Jamie Oliver, which was a management consultancy project designed to last three months. And when I met Jamie, I'd come in to kind of reorganise some of the structures that were going on. And I ended up staying nine years and I became a board director of that business. And I took it from our first million to 500 million. And I set up 16 companies in that group. And finally, I started figuring out who I was because he, you know, our business there was really centered around a social purpose, change the world through food and building entrepreneurial, you know, businesses through it. So how do we do that? And there was an absolute light bulb moment in that business where we all sat down and said, look, because he just started on television, as people know who he is. He started off as a chef in the River Cafe in London, started getting seen on TV. And he had a career, you know, sort of mapped out in just being a celebrity, but he had a much greater purpose. He was a real visionary. And so we had the conversation, do you just want to be this uh, cute guy that uh, does cooking shows? And he was like, no, I came to change the world through food. And that trajectory opened up everything because I was so passionate about social purpose and doing things in new ways. And it gave me, I, I, I came into myself through that journey so nine years with him I've now learned how to build a business around who you are what you love and a personality-led brand and a lot about visionary working with that and I was too young and too stupid to really think it could be too complicated if you think about it <laughs> because I didn't know you know <laughs> with age we get through more failures and we we overcomplicate often so I left that after nine years to set up on my own, which I did, a consultancy practice in London. And I was working with some major brands, you know, household names again, mainly on innovation. They'd come to me and say, look, we're the leader in fashion or a publication or, you know, media in this area. How do we stay relevant with all the changes in the world? So they were exciting, dynamic and global projects. And I got this other opportunity, actually, a couple of years into that to do a joint venture. And I knew it wasn't fully aligned with who I was and I was still shaping that because I had a much bigger vision, I still do, for visionary potential, I guess, on the planet. So I didn't do the JV. I started carrying on my consultancy, but then exploring online. How do I move into kind of, I guess, teacher? Plus, during all of this, there was a huge personal development journey of my own. And I was very aware I had, uh, you know, spiritual gifts and capacities that I wanted to integrate into my work. The strategy alone is not enough. I knew a lot about energetics. I had been studying metaphysics and other things for many, many years and qualified as a coach mentor many, many years before this as part of my leadership journey. So I wanted to integrate the whole thing. And I start taking on different clients. I've got LA clients who are very much personality-led brands. I've got big corporates, but I want to affect the mass market. So I go online and start uh, creating online programs in 2017. And I guess the clients and the weather took me to LA, plus 
the just the <laughs> energy there was good for what I do. But really what I'm doing now is bringing it all together. So I do all parts of what I've always done on one level, you know what I mean? But in a different and more powerful way that is, so my services do relate still to different levels of your visionary journey. Because yeah. to me, whether you've actualized that potential or not, it's kind of the same game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's funny hearing your story, Ellie, that, you know, it's true of so many founders, isn't it? That journey of kind of like, I was just the person that questioned everything. And I just right. knew this wasn't right for me. And, it, and you know, I talk about things being ever evolving. And, and I guess that's what I'm hearing in your story as well. It's kind of like, oh, I had this and it was this piece of the jigsaw. But then I knew it wasn't all of it. And I'm still exploring and I'm still exploring and I'm still exploring. And, you know, you and I met at Jamie Oliver all those many, many years ago. Right. Um, and, you know, you look at the journey that both of us have been on in that time it's extraordinary, really. I feel like I've lived about five lifetimes in that time. I don't know about you. Hundred percent, yes. Hundred percent, yes. But what I love is the essence remains the same. If I really look at it, you know, how I express it really depends on my own development. And I teach people that it's our evolution and growth. You know, like who I become as a person will determine it. You know, working with so many visionaries, one thing I do notice is they don't do, once they're aligned with their purpose and their natural creative style and the creative potential of what they're doing, what you do when you get an alignment doesn't differ that much. You just do it maybe differently, but just more powerfully. And if you yeah. look at the greats in our world, that's the same thing, right? It gains a momentum. Yeah. So it's that's what's exciting, isn't it? You know, not yeah. I, talking about, you know, when I, you and I have had this conversation about visionaries changing the world because they build momentum around positive change and they want to impact the world. They're not trying to just build a business or make money. They do those things on the side almost, right? But really they're right. an hour kind of it's ambition a, is to change the world. Right. And I um, talk about that a lot in my stuff because I say like, Anyone can have a vision, but the visionary came to create change. And that change is bigger than them. And also I teach, you know, like we think the big thing about a visionary, the key skill is the vision. But I don't believe that. And I don't teach that. I teach the key skill is activation and being able to ignite that vision in others. Because I have worked with some of the greats and brands and individuals. And, you know, if you can ignite and activate that vision beyond you, because it's not going to be you that can do all that, you know, that's the skill of the visionary. The visionaries that don't get fully actualized or, you know, more actualized, they don't have, you know, they, they, the vision gets a bit stuck because they have the same issues. How do I communicate it? How does anyone understand this? Because they can see already the difference in the world. They can see it so clearly, you know, that's why we struggle to communicate it because to us it's obvious. Yeah. Like, why aren't we doing this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I was writing something the other day saying, you know, you as a visionary, you are ahead of your time. That's your job, right? But it's not always the easiest place to be because then other people look at you as if you're a bit crazy, you know? And I, I think that's one of the unifying things I've found from the people I've worked with is universally when they first came up with their idea or what they were going to do, people kind of like, that can't work. There's no market for that. That won't work. You can't, you know, like Netaporte, you can't sell luxury fashion online. Nobody will buy it, you know, because it hasn't been done yet. So being able to take right. that and bring it through into reality is the exciting part. And I guess the bit that you and I help our clients with, right? Yeah. And I think things like what you're doing here and everything that we do as well is so important because, you know, our world isn't set up 
for the game changers. It's set up for a system that works, you know. And so we go through the same challenges, but often we'll be maybe a black sheep for a while until we realise that this is a very, very essential part of what it means to be a visionary. You know, that idea that you just mentioned, it's part of the game. And when you know that, it's not a reason not to do it. It's the reason that confirms why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, our system isn't set up for the people who came to create change. It's set up to be a system that works the way it works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's so interesting. I was talking to someone recently who came from sort of six generations of entrepreneurs, you know, and that was the expectation wow. in his life. And I said, oh, I'm quite jealous of that because wow. <laughs> I grew up in a middle class northern <laughs> family where nobody was an entrepreneur. <laughs> so somehow I had it in my DNA from somewhere, but it certainly wasn't the given route. And, you know, it's kind of looked weird to a lot of people through the years, you know. So I would love to chat to you, Ellie, about actually about your business. And, you know, you work with many of these visionaries and you also are one yourself. You know, you run a visionary company, you are a visionary founder. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just hear from you, like some stuff about your business and how it's created. What's What are the kind of principles of it that are different from what we would normally see? Yeah, so I've built everything now and I've integrated it on self and self-expression, which means I take you on a personal journey into yourself. I believe it, it's a spiritual journey. You know, to feel fully authentic in the world, you want to be able to be yourself. How do you make money being yourself? How do you attain wealth at the level that is for you? Because I believe in self-expression, but my definition of that is whatever that is to you. So it's as wealthy as you need to be to be fully expressed. It's as impactful as you need to be to feel your true expression. It's doing things, not just the result, not just the things you create, but the way you do it that feels like an extension and, and a real expression of you. So I take, I don't just do the strategy, I do the integration of who you are, what's your fullest expression, what does that need to be, you know, for you to feel self-actualized through it. And that part of it is why I loved the personality-led brands, right? It's not because I only worked with them, it's because they get it, you know, (laughs) their business. And of course, what's really fascinating about this age and the age of the influencer is that's what the world wants. Yeah. And that makes it so exciting because we know that entrepreneurs, so the principles are around entrepreneurship, which is a personal journey. But mine is very much for people who really want to elevate consciousness around, you know, real kind of spiritual concepts. How do you come into more personal power? How do you elevate wealth on the planet, you know, for everyone? How does how you live and how you redefine it? change lifestyle choices, change business choices. So I come from quite a spiritual place and I help people kind of heal and transcend through that and (laughs) strategically, you know, connect it to what's going on in the world to make it relevant and make it real. So the principles of being fully yourself coming into the spiritual journey so that we don't get rich. And you know what I mean? We see this. I've worked with it. You don't get doing something that looks successful on the outside, but inside you feel broken. And that's mm. why people can't handle it. You know, they haven't self-actualized through it. They're still disconnected. They were looking for love. They were looking for something that didn't happen when they got the thing they wanted. How do we do both? Yeah. How do we make that normal? That's yeah. my thing. 
Yeah. And I love that, that, you know, business is self-actualization, you know, and I remember talking to a CEO, gosh, years and years ago, and he said to me, a CEO founder, and he said to me that being a founder, being an entrepreneur is the biggest personal development journey you can do. And it was years ago, I didn't really get it then. But now having set up my own business and having worked with so many more people, I'm like, oh, it really is. If you if you embrace it as such, then it really is, right? It will show you all your strengths and all your demons yeah. and all the pieces that need to be healed. And that's why, you know, when I work with founder companies now, I'm always working with the founder first because I, you know, you just know that if you don't work with the founder, if you don't work with that individual, then those things are going to those kind of, how do I say it, those things that need to be healed. That's the only way I can say it will trickle down through the organization. Yeah. It's a kind of personal responsibility, if you like. I think that it is for our, you know, depending on your business. So for me, it is because my heart's on the line. I care. And the people I work with and the reason they're so successful, their heart is on the line. Now, the visionary whose heart's on the line is so much more magnetic and able to ignite the vision in others because of their passion and courage and their heart being on the line. But if your heart's on the line, then it has to be a personal journey. If you don't really care about it, it's a bit different, isn't it? And there's many ways you can make money that way and create business that way. I wouldn't say they're the visionaries, though. No. You know, because it no. requires your heart on the line. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And I think that's where, you know, I think that's one of the most brilliant things about the work we do is you get to be inspired by people every day. <laughs> and we were joking before we came on here of saying, God, I just get to sit on here and have conversations with amazing people. That's a great job. Yeah. That's like my favorite thing in the world is just to connect with people who are also living in this way and spreading the message because you know, it's so important right now, particularly when we record this, that we have this positivity that, you know, when you say it, it's like a given for you. It's about self-expression, self-actualization. And I think sometimes you and I forget that that's not how 90% of the population lives their lives. <laughs> we forget we're weird. We forget we're weird. Yeah, yeah. We've embraced it, but we forget it. Yeah, exactly. We spend exactly. too much time together to so what so what does that mean for you with the, the people inside your business? So when you have employees or when you have people that you work with that deliver stuff for you that are within your business, what does that mean for that end of the, the scale? So for me personally, you know, there are different ways that visionaries work. And what do I start with that? You know, what's my vision for business? So a lot of the people in my business, I don't have like tons of full-time employees because I want them to come in in their full expression so they have other you know I've got a girl coming tomorrow and she does my some stuff for me but she's also got her own life and her own vision but letting go of the old rules still wanting excellence I think requires people to be really passionate about what they do so when I was a management consultant I studied productivity and the things we think like force people to work eight hours and all that kind of stuff is it really true what I really noticed from working with Jamie was people who are passionate and ignited by a vision and it means something about them not just what they do work differently I had more problems telling people to go home at night than I did to be on time right so I've kind of thought well how can I get out of my own control mechanisms and into these values more so you know the way we create this business the way we co-create with other leaders you know I'm creating leaders in my businesses not people who just follow me and in my network I don't want people to just follow me I want them to be leaders themselves that's a different thing Mm. now that's at different levels too because if you think about it when I use examples of say Apple right 
I don't, you know, Apple did create followers, but it, they weren't just blind followers. They were people buying something that meant something about them. They led their lives through that choice. It was a more expensive choice, right? And it wasn't just for the people who were rich, like, you know, it, it meant something about them. They got to lead their life and express themselves differently. So how do we take that into business? How do we let go of old rules? How do we work together without the competition so that we can all expand you know I look at it from that angle and navigate it together with my teams with other visionaries with other players with my clients even I let my clients who are on the journey with me I let them be I don't have you know they a vision that I stand for is compelling enough to them for them to work with me on it I've always done that even when I worked in corporates I was the only consultant that worked for those kind of companies that said, I don't want to be in your office because I was a digital nomad. So I said to them, I will smash your, you know, <laughs> goals, if you like. If you can trust me to do that and give me a go, I want to do it from the beach in Bali or wherever I am. I'll come in once a month. That is so unusual at that time. You know what I mean? But I meant what I said. And I also understood the importance of my own life. And I do build mm. everything around a lifestyle that I love. And I teach people that because it's not just frivolous. It's not just oh, that's a nice to have. I studied peak performance. I still do. I know what turns me on in life. And when I'm turned on in life, my creative power is ignited. When I'm flat in life, it's harder. So I know there's a balance of this, you know, and I know for peak performance, people need to be energized in a certain way. So I honor that too. And I don't see it as they're not, you know, I mean, I, I've sat in offices, I've worked in so many companies, you know, been around them. What we thought was productivity isn't. It's control because we're scared of what would happen because we're used to people from the industrial age maybe not liking their jobs that much. And so, of course, they don't want to go the extra mile and they needed to be controlled. But if you give something to someone they hate, I mean, the girl coming tomorrow that's my new employee. I mean, I asked her for one job. She came and said, you know what? I don't really like doing that anymore, but this bit I can do. I mean, it's those kind of conversations, that. you know. But yeah. I mean, who goes to an interview and says that kind of stuff? Well, I yes. opened the gate for that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think this is why I've done this podcast at this time, you know, but it's such an interesting time. And, you know, I have this conversation occasionally with people who will say to me, so do you think after like COVID and everything, we're going to have to offer flexible working? And in my head, I'm thinking, are we really still having this conversation, number one? But also, it's kind of like, I, I keep saying to people, that ship has sailed. You know, it's kind of like, you know, and, and I was saying to somebody the other day that, you know, if you don't trust your employees to work from home, you've got a different problem. You know, your problem is not whether they're working yeah. from home or not. Your problem is that they're not doing the right thing or you don't trust them. Like, your problem is the culture, right? Right. Because, and the magic. And the magic. How do you know? Yeah. I remember being at James, I was the only person, the only director, there's only four of us, well, depending on the company, but generally there was 16 companies and I was on the board of all of, you know, most of them, so there wouldn't be very many, but I was the only one that went down to the front desk and I'd talk to the people talking to our customers. I wouldn't just sit in the boardroom because the magic comes in their creativity, you know, like you can't build a legacy yourself. You can't. So you've got to, you know, you've got to understand the people on the ground and it can't just, you know, you've got to stir something in them so yeah. in terms of culture and peak performance you've got to get people so connected to this vision you know what I mean that they are bringing their best to the table then you haven't got to control you, you know our focus has been in the industry how do I control people to stay doing the things they don't really like doing <laughs> and that doesn't yeah. create genius 
And that's been the challenge, hasn't it, for a lot of entrepreneurial companies that, you know, they start off and they've got that passion and the vision and they've got everyone around them and everyone's motivated and everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet, if you like. And then they get to a certain size and they suddenly feel like they have to operationalize it. And then in creeps in the layers and the systems and all of those things. So what's your advice for companies that need to scale? Like, how do you scale and still keep this magic and essence, do you think? Yeah, and it's the biggest question. How do we stay entrepreneurial as we get more operational? Yeah. And one thing is, I think this is part of what you do with corporates, you know, in, in that side of you, but I know you do a lot more than that, is you have to understand what the magic is. They have to get what the actual brand magic is behind it because most don't. And that's why when they hire certain consultants or just looking at it financially, they squeeze things and they they actually ruin what was the heartbeat of the business. Yeah. I had a CEO at Jamie Oliver, John Jackson, who was uh, MD of the Body Shop for many years. He was a core, one of the seven core board directors of Virgin. So you can imagine how hugely powerful he was, but he got that so much, you know, and so that dance isn't something companies used, are used to, which is why we've seen so many times when we have like you know, a takeover or new shareholders in, the whole thing changes and the culture changes. So that formula of that company's magic has to be understood. That's step one. You can't, you know, keep it, you don't know what it is. The biggest thing is most people don't know what it is. They take it for granted because it's the intangible, emotional feeling, energetic of it, not the thing they're doing. Or not the thing that's been stuck up on the wall. You know, it's kind of right. like, right. stars <laughs> in six words. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's the piece. And when people really get that, they'll value that and they won't destroy it by accident because that happens. I mean, I've been there so many. I think we've both spoken about this when, you know, there was a time I used to go and fix companies and I'd said no. And that often is the case for people like us. We get asked to before, you know, I don't work at that on that. I work on the innovation, creative expansion side. But, you know, it's because they've done something like that. They didn't get it. They didn't get the energetic part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think also it's done often from a place of lack, you know, of a problem. Oh my God, it's too big to cope with. Yeah. People don't get it. We need to do something. Again, it comes back to control. And that's what's so interesting at this point in time, isn't it, in business? And, you know, for founders to think about what is magical about this business and how yeah. do we keep that magic and what's the essence of it and how can we create it differently and you know, I often say to people, it's funny when I first talk to fans, say to them, you know, employ the same creative brain for the culture and people that you do on the other parts of the business. Why would you have this really creative product or this really brilliant thing that you put out into the world, but then you create an organization that looks the same as every other organization? Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. You know? Right. And do you notice, like with the groundbreaking companies, the ones that live in different questions? Because at the beginning, yes. like I said, when I started my journey, I was too young and naive to know any differently. So I had everything available to believe it. And my belief was really powerful, as was my courage and my creativity, because it wasn't hindered by yet you know what I went through in life that could then put me off but most of those companies start with if they're visionary how do we change the world and when they get stuck they look at how do just the only question of how do we make money those two questions are way apart from the results they'll give you if you do something impacting the world the money is a byproduct the success is a byproduct it will come 
easily, you know, and that's the, that's what I've been in this. I mean, Jamie's grew so exponentially huge, you know what I mean? In such a short amount of time, our job wasn't just how do we get operational? It's like, how on earth are we going to drive this ship that is flying? And yeah. when a company explodes like that around a personality, you've got so many different things to deal with. So like the questions they live in when they start and get massive success, for some reason, suddenly they think, oh, now we're a big company. We've got to think like this. And they start sabotaging. How yeah. do we keep making money? How do we keep the shareholders happy? When you're thinking about how do you change the world, you're thinking about impact. How do I make people happy? How do I really make a difference? When you say, how do I keep my shareholders happy? You're on a completely different trajectory. Yeah. It's not that you haven't got to do both. It's what is the question that you've been to live in to be exceptional? What made you here? You know, what got you here? Now, that isn't necessarily completely the same as what will expand you. But when you lose that question, then you know that's not what got you there in the first place. Yeah. So why would you continue yeah. to grow? I love that. And it's kind of, yeah, what are the questions that we're living? I love that. I think that's an amazing a check and balance in a way, isn't it? It's to say, look, you know, do I still feel as passionate about this business as I did at the beginning? Can I still maintain that, you know, and how do I keep that energetic as the business grows and evolves? And the other thing I've noticed recently working with founders is that I think sometimes there's a sense that because it's their baby, they kind of hold it very close, you know? And I was talking to one of my founders the other day and I said, well, is that your thing to figure out? Or could you just get everybody involved in figuring that out? You know, wow. why not share mm. it and, and see what emerges from that question? You know, so I think it's the same. It's the curiosity yeah. and the questioning, isn't it? And being open and, you know, being yeah, willing that, to, yeah. to trust and see what emerges rather than trying to control it. And again, this is where the personal journey comes in, doesn't it? Because it's, it's the human nature to be, oh my goodness, I've built something beautiful and now I'm mama bear. I'm going to defend and protect it yes. and fight everyone off. That's yes. our, you know, again, it's the personal development, isn't it? That's so key. Yes, exactly. Because, <laughs> because otherwise it stays in that in that space. You know, it can't expand and grow. And I know it you limits the potential. Yeah. And I, you know, I say what excites me is I feel like we're moving into a new era, right? That more and more people are having this conversation, more and more people want different, right? So, you know, the weirdness yeah. that is ours is kind of like starting to <laughs> come out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we you and I could talk about this for about 15 hours, Ellie, and do from on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> but I and, and it's also the joy of being a visionary I think I mean this is what it's like to be passionate about your work right mm. you know people used to yeah. say to me oh god you're always working I'm like I'm not working I'm exploring things that are fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might be reading a book that looks like it's connected to work but it's not work you know it's kind right. of being that expression and giving people permission to know that that's possible for all of us right it's not just yeah. the sacred yeah. few this is possible for all of us we just know how to need to know how to get that to that visionary essence so if you're going to leave us with one more thing ellie one pearl of wisdom (laughs) no pressure that's what you feel inside of you trust what you feel inside if you feel that you know that is the guiding thing there is something inside of all of us that is so true and so powerful that you can be led by it and if you let yourself it will absolutely open up a whole new world brilliant I love it I love it I love it and you know that it's like the simple things it's so simple isn't it on one level and you and I know in the journeys that we've been on that it it does take that conscious um attention right 
to to be on that journey you have to choose to be on the journey but it is in all of us and it is possible and that's part of what I wanted to do on this podcast so I also know that you are launching a new product or a new level of a product at the moment and you have other work out into the world so tell us a little bit if people want to interact with you what's the best ways of interacting with you yeah so with the online stuff right I'm running them as events so I want them to they are experiences and journeys and so I bring a very high energetic to everything I do so the I launch in these programs all throughout the year many many times and in certain orders in certain containers but Visionary to Visionary is one of them I think that's what we're talking about isn't it so and that is a six-week journey understanding yourself as a visionary co-creating Visionary to Visionary and dealing with the energetics really behind yeah. how do you hold this moving vision in the world so that's uh, one thing that I have the visionaries that is really I think I'm really proud of I, I think it really nails the energetics and how you can hold it in your energy field <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean so that you can actualize in the present moment while being connected to potentiality because they're two very different things how do I do it lives in the predictable <laughs> the potential of a vision lives somewhere else and we're navigating both so yeah. I really teach people I walk you through some principles through that dance yeah beautiful and I've said to you before Ali that I think you know I've been in this world for I don't know about 15 years I would say and I think your understanding and the beautiful way you hold the energetics is it just astonishes me and I you know I've known Thank you a long you. time I've worked with you I, I'm working with you and you know I think there's something very special that you bring to the world around this whole energetic piece. So I feel very honoured that I've been part of that and to be on this journey together as we co-create. So this is the Thank next part you. of that our co-creation, this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I love it. Obviously, I think you're a rock star. Obviously, oh. you are. <laughs> so I'm very, I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. So I'm thank a geek. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, a self-confessed geek. <laughs> so okay, I, I want to say a huge thank you to you for your time and energy today, and for sharing so beautifully your story and what you've been doing. And you know, I know people are going to gain so much from this. And you know, you can we'll put all Ellie's details in the show notes of this episode. So go and check her out. She's awesome. And we will have many other awesome guests on here too to follow. So thank you, Ellie. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. <laughs> bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Visionary Founders Podcast with Lisa Mitchell. If you're a visionary founder and you're ready to up-level yourself and your business, connect with me at lisamitchell.co.uk forward slash connect.